of the main reasons we come to church is, is uh, to obey what God says in His Word. Amen? And the Scripture talks about not forsaking yourself to assemble together. Amen? As the manner of some is. But so much the more as you see the day of Christ approaching that we can exhort one another. Amen? You know, God set it up so that we would experience God through each other. Hallelujah. You know why I'm so blessed to be here? Because I'm here with people that have God on the inside of them. And I see God in each and every single one of you. Amen? Now you may not realize that, but when I'm looking at you, I'm looking at the God that lives on the inside of you. And the God that lives on the inside of you is expressed in a unique way that maybe doesn't come my way. But I need that. Amen? And it's a wonderful thing to be able to come together and experience uh, this type of fellowship with one another. And the scripture even tells us that we're not to see one another after the flesh, but we're to see one another after the spirit. Amen. You know, sometimes being human, sometimes we can make inaccurate judgments, you know, with people, you know, we look at someone, they may not be dressed or look the way we think they should look, you know, and we think, how can I receive from that person? Boy, I've been greatly mistaken at times in my life. When if I listened to what they had to say, there was a gold mine on the inside of them. Amen? Praise God. We can't, the Bible says God looks on the heart. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. Amen? But I tell you, one of the other reasons that we come together is so that we can get built up. The simple definition of prophecy in the book of 1 Corinthians 14, he that prophesieth, What's the word prophesy mean? It means to speak for God. Okay? And prophecy doesn't necessarily mean that it's prefaced with, Thus saith the Lord. Now, it can be, and it will be at times. But many times, all of you in this room, you've probably prophesied and didn't even know it. You didn't even realize it. Because it didn't seem spectacular, but it was supernatural. Amen? And basically, prophecy is, is utterance. It's utterance in your known tongue that brings men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. That's the simple gift of prophecy to speak unto men in Corinthians it says to edification, exhortation, and comfort. And you can prophesy to yourself. How many of you know that? You can get up in the morning, you can get before you get in the shower say, bless God, it's going to be a glorious day today. You're prophesying your future. Amen. And you can declare and decree what type of a day that you're going to have. Amen? Well, if you have your Bibles today, go over to Luke chapter 4. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for uh, this this precious message you put inside my heart today. Help me, Father, to communicate it in such a way that we can grasp it, understand it, and take it home with us, Lord. And put it to use in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We've been talking about this subject uh, called identity theft for the last few weeks. I believe this is number three. We're going to pick up where we left off last time. We're going to build on that foundation. Can everybody hear me okay? If anybody can't just raise your hand, we can raise up the volume a little bit. But in Luke chapter 4, verse 14, um, we see an, an account here with Lord Jesus Christ. And it says in verse 14, And so Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. He went out, and there went a fame out of Him throughout the whole region round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for it to read. Now, notice that Jesus had a custom. 
And his custom was if you wanted to find him on the Sabbath day, which was Saturday for the Jews, where was he at? In the synagogue. That's a good, that's a good thing, isn't it? We would say church. And it, his custom was he went into the synagogue being glorified of all. And uh, verse uh, 17, And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, notice that, that Jesus here is actually quoting Isaiah chapter 60, okay? And he's quoting what Isaiah said about 500 years before Jesus came to the earth. Okay? Now we know that Jesus did pre-exist with the Father. Amen? But He became flesh you know, in the New Testament. And He opened the place, He found the place where it was written in Isaiah and He said these things that we just read right here. The Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to do this and do that and praise God that uh, preach good news to the poor. Amen. Well, what's good news to a poor man? You don't have to be poor anymore. Amen. What's good news to a blind person? You don't have to stay blind anymore. Now, it's interesting because when Jesus went round about, and I know that when uh, Brother, Hag, Brother Hagin, my spiritual father, when the Lord appeared to him on one occasion, the Lord told him, Jesus said, I preached this same sermon everywhere I went. It wasn't just here at this one place we're reading about right now. He would always decree and declare his what he was sent to do, what his mission was. And if he said, Jesus said, if the people believed it, then they would partake of that anointing. If they didn't believe it, they wouldn't partake of that anointing. Do you know not everybody was healed in Jesus' meeting? Do you know that? Because there were those that believed it and those that didn't believe it. Those that believed it received it, those that didn't, didn't. How many of you know that? Well, he goes on to say in verse 19 to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And then verse 20 says, And he closed the book and he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened upon him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. All right. Now, this is interesting because we saw this last time two weeks ago that Jesus was doing something that they all did. They would open up the scrolls, you know, and they would read the Old Testament, you know, because the New Testament hadn't been written yet. They just had the Old Testament. So this, is, this isn't anything unusual. They would do this, this the uh, priest or the uh, leaders of the synagogue would do this, and Jesus was doing the same thing. But here's the part that really threw them. In verse 20, he closed the book and gave it again to the minister, and he sat down, and all them that were in, the, all the eyes of them were in the synagogue were fastened upon him. And he began to say to them, Today this day is, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. Now look at verse 22. And all bore witness and wondered at his gracious words that proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is this not Joseph's son? Now, do you see how if you see somebody after the flesh, it will not profit you? Now Joseph was not Jesus' father. God was. Remember he was born of a virgin? Remember that? But see, they thought he had an ad, he, they thought he had a big head, because he made this statement. Nothing wrong with reading Isaiah; it had been read many times in the synagogues. 
But he said this. He says, today, as I'm reading this scripture, Isaiah, he said, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. And he closed the book and he went over and he sat down in the seat. Now, what does that mean? Every synagogue in Jesus' time had a seat that was reserved for the Messiah. And nobody was to use or sit in that seat except the Messiah. And when Jesus went over, he closed the book and he sat down in that seat. He said, this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. Now, most of us would think that if you were in that synagogue that particular day, you were in that church service and that happened, you would have been jumping for joy. Hip, hip, hooray. Hip, hip, hooray. I mean, whatever you, whatever you would do back then, right? You'd be all excited. But look at what their response was in, in Luke chapter 4 in verse 38 or 29. I'm sorry. Luke 4 verse 29 or 28. It says, And all they that were in the synagogue, when they heard these things, what he just said, they were filled with anger. Hmm. And he rode, they rose up and they thrust him out of the city to let him to the brow of the hill whereupon the city was built that they might cast him down headlong. Now the King James sounds nice. Cast him down headlong. What does that mean? Throw him over a cliff. Jesus' very first sermon. Think about this. His very first sermon. He makes these good, bold declarations about Isaiah. And this is... He, I'm the one. He says, I'm the one he's talking about right here. If they saw him after the Spirit, there would have been a party like you can't imagine. Cheering like you have. I mean, think about it. All those thousands of years have gone by and all the prophets of the Old Testament were prophesying about the Messiah coming, the Messiah coming. It almost seemed like he would never come. And you know, that's the same way it is today. You think, oh yeah, we've heard Jesus is coming, but he hasn't come back yet. Folks, there is coming a time he's coming back. And I believe we're the generation that will see that. Because all the major prophecies have been fulfilled. I mean, Jerusalem became a nation on May 11, 1948. And Jesus said, the generation that sees the fig tree shooting forth leaves, that's the generation that will see all things come to pass. Now, I'm not naming a day or an hour or something like that. We can't do that. But I believe that this is the season that we're living in, that we will see the coming of Christ. Now, let me, let me get back to my notes right here. Uh, Jesus located himself. We're talking about identity. Jesus located himself in the scriptures and he confessed what it said about him. And the people that didn't understand it and the people that saw him after the flesh said, that's just Joseph's son. He's just the carpenter's son. He's just one of us. Okay? Now, we know that in Mark chapter 6, now you don't have to turn there, but in Mark chapter 6 verse 5 it says Jesus could there in his own hometown do no mighty works except laid his hands on a few sick people with minor ailments and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Now isn't that something? Now if Jesus had control over his healing ministry then he would have just zapped people everywhere, wouldn't he? But it says in his hometown, Mark 6, 5, it says he could there, didn't say he would there, it said he could there do no mighty work. In other words, no blind eyes being opened, no lame people being healed, no maimed people being healed. But yet he would go to the next town and preach the same thing and people would hear it, believe it, and receive it, and then they would receive the power of God in their lives. 
See, it all comes, really comes back to how do we hear things? How do we perceive things? Amen? And so I think that's why I shared some things there at the beginning of the service because uh, a lot of times we can make huge mistakes when we judge things after the flesh. Amen? And uh, they may not come in the package that we like, but I'm telling you, some God, God can speak through people. Amen? And, uh, but Jesus located himself, and I'm going to talk about proper identification. All right? Jesus located himself in the scriptures and he professed and confessed what the word of God said about him. Isaiah was writing about Jesus about 500, approximately 500 years before he made this statement. But when Jesus spoke this, the spirit of God bore witness with him and said, that's you, that's talking about you. And so when he made that declaration, though God understood it, the people didn't understand it. And that's why they got so mad. Now think about it. They're in a church service and just a few minutes later they want to take him and throw him over a cliff. I've never had it that bad. (laughs) I've had some persecution from from here and there at times. You know what I'm saying? But nothing like this. You know where they pick him up. But evidently God, obviously God protected him and somehow he slipped right through their midst. You know whether he was translated, I don't know. But he got out of that fix. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, go to John chapter 1, and I want to show you something here. One of the biggest things, one of the biggest challenges that human beings deal with in the earth, regardless of what country, what place on the earth that they are from, one of the biggest things that people from all nations and all creeds and all nationalities deal with is inferiority and insecurity. Inferiority and insecurity because they don't know who they are. Okay? But we have to get our proper identification. You know, I remember when I was in grade school, you know, that was a long time ago now. And in junior high school, you know, that, that uh, there are certain, and it's no different today, it's just, it's just a different brand or whatever. But I remember when uh, I wanted, when Converse tennis shoes came out. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. And they were $10 for a pair of Converse shoes. Now, some of, some of you, you may not realize, that was a big deal back then. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And I remember I begged my parents. I said, please, can I have a pair of Converse tennis shoes? Now you look and they're like, they're cheap. They like fall apart on you. You know what I'm saying? But back then, that was like a big deal with like two pair of socks. Okay? All right? Because everybody was doing it, okay? There was pressure to do that thing. Yeah. It's just funny how and each generation has certain things that, you know, you feel like if I don't conform to that, if I don't look like that, then I'm really nothing. You know what I'm saying? But we want to conform to the image of Christ. I'm not saying don't look cool. Don't, you don't want to look like a nerd. You know what I'm saying? You want to look good, right? But people identify with certain things. And Jesus was identifying himself in the scriptures. But notice in John chapter 1, verse 20, this is talking about John the Baptist. You know the guy that baptized all the people? That ate wild locusts and wild, wore, you know, camel's clothing and wild locusts and honey were his, his diet, you know? He was a wild guy out in the wilderness, okay? He didn't come in the package that a lot of people think he should be a prophet. Jesus said he was the greatest of all the prophets up to that time. He was the greatest. But he looked like a wild man. Okay? 
wasn't the package that they thought he would look like. You know, John the Baptist didn't come down here in a nice robe and his hair real nice and everything. He was a wild looking dude, okay? But he, was, he had the Holy Ghost on the inside of him. Now notice in verse 20, it says in John 1, 20, it says, And when he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. Because they asked him, are you the Christ? He says, nope, I'm not. Verse 21, they asked him, who art thou then? Are you Elijah? And he saith, I am not. Are you that prophet? And he answered, no. Then they said unto him, who are you? That we may give an answer to them that sent us. What sayest thou of thyself? And he said this, I am the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, and said the prophet Isaiah. Okay? Now notice here that John the Baptist, when they asked him, he said, Who are you? What's your origin? Where'd you come from? Are you one of these prophets? You know. He says, No. I am the voice of the one in the wilderness crying, Make straight the way of the Lord, said the prophet Isaiah. Now, real quickly, go to Isaiah chapter 40, and I'll show you where he, he found this scripture here. I want you to see something here. Isaiah 40, verse 1. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem, and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that iniquity is pardoned, and she hath received the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Verse 3. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his pass, make straight in the desert the highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, every mountain shall be made low, and the crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, and the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. Now here's what I want you to see. Isaiah is again, about 500 years, prophesying this into the future. And along comes John the Baptist, okay? And John the Baptist found himself in the Scriptures. I don't know how it happened, but something bore witness with him when he read this verse, and he said, that's me. That's, that's, that's who he was. Pro how would you like to be that person? You're like, boy, I just find myself in the Scripture. Somebody 500 years ago, one of my ancestors just prophesied. Boom, here he is. Amen? Now, I want to talk about this thing called proper identification today. You can hardly get anywhere in the world today without proper identification. I have a passport here. I've never used it yet but I got it a few years ago. I cannot go overseas without this passport. Okay? I couldn't get off the plane without that passport. Proper identification. Most places, if you go and you cash a check, you need this, a driver's license. Okay? It's not a fishing license. It's a driver's license, you know? Nothing wrong with a fishing license. Isn't that right, Brother Bill? <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. But everywhere you go today, matter of fact, even if your, your, your little boy is on a baseball team, Little League or something like that, you know, they need to have a birth certificate. You know, you can look at them and say, can't you see he was born? <laughs> right? But they want to see proper identification. They want to see, they want to have the credentials in order to get you to the next phase of what you're desiring to do. All right? Now, the thing is, it's no different in the, the kingdom of God, we have to have 
proper identification. This passport gets me into places that if I didn't have it, I couldn't get into it. Okay? Proper identification. Now, there's scriptures that we're going to see today. I'm going to show you how to locate yourself, how to find yourself in the scriptures, because it's absolutely essential that you find yourself in the scriptures. Many years ago, when Lynn and I first got married, and we came back from the state of Texas. We were working down there, assistant pastors. We came back and rented this little duplex house. And uh, my wife at that time, she had this, and I guess she got it through some movie or something like that. I don't know. She could tell you. But she wanted one of these old English sheepdogs. Do you ever see those old English sheepdogs? When they're puppies, they're great. But it's like you blink your eye and the next day they're this big. I mean, they're, they're, I'm just kidding. But they're huge, you know. Their paws are like that big around, you know. And she just, she practically begged me. She says, Keith, I just want one of these dogs, you know. And, of course, when I saw the picture of it, it wasn't easy to give in to that. I mean, it was easy to give in to that. You know what I'm saying? So there was this little farm up in Blairsville, Pennsylvania, not too far from here, up around Indiana. And uh, she found it in the newspaper somehow that they, they, uh, they had some puppies up there. So we went up there and we looked at these old English sheepdogs. And I mean, they opened this barn doors in a farm and those dogs came running out. I'm telling you what, it was the cutest thing you ever saw in your life. You know, it was like every one of those dogs were saying, would you take me home with you? <laughs> right? And um, they're such a blessing. And uh, so we, we got this little dog, you know, and he was just a beautiful little thing, just real, real small, you know. And she named him Henry. I remember that. Henry, the sheepdog, you know. But uh, we had this, this little dog, it grew so quick, so rapidly quick, because when he was full grown, he was over, nah, over 100 pounds, I guess, you know, something like that. And fast as light, and that dog can run so fast, you know. But you didn't want to get in the way of it. I remember one time my neighbor, he was an older man, he was out in this yard, and the dog went right through his legs, about knocked him over, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, but make a long story short, he was just a few weeks old, you know, maybe a month old, something like that. And we had this, uh, our, our, our landlord at that time came in and put new windows in our house, and so we had these old storm windows, okay, they were left there. And so we, would, we had a screened-in porch, and we would put that dog out on the back porch, you know, so that it would keep him. He could stay outside but not come in the house, that kind of a thing, you know. And it was a beautiful sunny day, just like this. And we put him on that porch. And all of a sudden, we're in the house. We hear him growling and barking. We thought, what is going on? And uh, we thought there was maybe another dog or something out there or somebody cutting through the yard. Come to find out, we walked out there. And uh, the dog saw himself in the reflection in that storm glass that was separating him from the house. His, he saw his own reflection for the first time. But he didn't believe it was him. And his little dog brain, he said, that's not me, that's an intruder right there. He started growling and barking, having a fit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We just, it, it, just, it was so funny to watch that because we thought he thought there was another dog out there. You know, now we knew that it was just his reflection. Well, I guess within a matter of 30 minutes or so, it suddenly his eyes were open, his spiritual eyes were open, and he realized when he looked into that reflection, he was looking at himself. So we no longer thought that's not a threat anymore. Okay? Now, the moral of the story is this. When you first see yourself in the scripture, and we're going to talk about how to do that. When you first see yourself in the scripture, 
initially you're going to look at that and say, that's not me, that's talking to the Jews. That's talking to someone else. That's not me, that's someone else. Well, when that dog, when that little sheep dog saw himself in that reflection, he didn't believe that was him and it, he, it became a threat to him. But after 30 minutes or so, he realized that was just himself. And when you look at yourself in the Scripture, and the Bible talks about how that the Word of God is a... This is probably one of my favorite subjects I've ever taught on, ever, because it mean, it's meant so much to me. It helped me so much to see myself, to locate myself in the Scriptures and identify with that and say, that's who I am. That's what I have. That's what I can do. I find myself in the Scripture. I'm going to show you how to do that today. You want to know how to do that? Come back next week and I'll tell you. <laughs> Jesus found himself in the scriptures. John the Baptist found himself in the scriptures. This is what I call true liberty. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians that the word of God is like a mirror. That we behold our face as in a glass. That will be mirror. And we're changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, you come over in the book of James and you'll find out that if you, uh, any man be a hearer of the Word and not a doer of the Word, he's like a man that looks himself in a mirror and he walks away and he, forget, he forgets what manner of man that he is. Okay? So, the Word of God, the Word of God, I have the Word of God on this little iPad, is a spiritual mirror. And it will not tell you what you look like physically. I can't hold this up and say, well, there's a hair out of place or something like that. Okay? But I can look up and say, I can see what I look like on the inside. The Bible tells me who I am, what I have, and what I can do. Amen. And sometimes when you first start hearing these things, it doesn't seem real. It doesn't seem like that seems too good to be true. Amen. But I'm telling you, when you start to identify with who you are in Christ and what you have in Christ, and you see your true identity from the Scripture, it will liberate you, and it will kick insecurity and inferiority out the back door of your life. Praise God. Most people that are born into the earth have this question that they've asked one time or another, whether they said it out loud or not. Why am I here? Have you ever asked that question before? Why am I here? What's my purpose in life? Well, that's a good place to start, isn't it? And I believe God's placed that on the inside of every single person. Why am I here? What's my purpose in life? Do you know every one of you have a divine purpose? You have a purpose. You're not a mistake. You're not an accident. God has a place for you in this earth. He has a plan for you. And it's a glorious plan. It's a wonderful plan. And it's a wonderful path. So how do we begin to discover uh, of who we are? Remember John the Baptist said, he confessed, this is who I am. He says, I'm not this, but I am this. They said, are you uh, Isaiah or Elijah or one of the other prophets? He says, no, but I'll tell you who I am. I am the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. And he got his purpose from the scriptures. Now, here's, what I wanna, here's where we're going to dive into this right now before we conclude today. There's about 140 verses in the New Testament in the epistles, okay? Those are the letters that are written to the church. 
you know, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, 1st John, 2nd John, 3rd John, 1st Peter, 2nd Peter, Jude, right? Philemon, Revelation. These are the letters, and if you've been here long enough, you know what I'm talking about. These are the letters. The epistles are not the apostles' sisters, as we joke around sometimes. The epistles are the letters that are written to people that have been born again, blood-washed. So we should spend the majority of our time in the New Testament, particularly in the epistles that tell us who we are in Christ Jesus. That's where we should spend. If you look at my Bibles I have at home, if you, as far as wrinkled pages and stuff like that. If you, if you just look at the, if you hold it up and look at the, uh, the seam of the Bible, you'll find out it's, it opens right up to the epistles because I spend most of my time there. Now, of course, I can't do it because I use my, my uh, electronic device here. Amen? But when I used to use paper Bibles, that's the way it was because I would spend most of my time in the epistles. Now, how do you find yourself in the epistles? You're going to find that there's these particular phrases that are in the New Testament, in the epistles. For example, the word in Christ. Say in Christ. There's the word in Him, by Him, through Him, by Christ, through Christ. All right? And there's about 140 to 142 of these verses that are listed in the New Testament, in the epistles that are written to us those verses are literally talking about you personally. Case in point, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. I know that you all know this scripture here, but let's take a look at it with some new glasses on. What do you say? Therefore, if any man be what? Say it. In Christ. Say it one more time. In Christ, that's you. That's talking about you. It's the in Christ, it shows, it's a preposition. It shows your relationship with Christ. You are in Christ. If any man be in Christ, that's me, I'm a new creature. So I can look at that. Now I did this, this is the very first scripture and I'll just tell you a little secret. When I first got a hold of this years, many years ago, in the 1980s, early 1980s, this is the first scripture that I put my name. I actually wrote in my little Bible. I thought it was sacrilegious to write in your Bible. But when I was a Bible school, I said, no, you can write in your Bible. Not gonna, God's not going to fall off His throne if it helps you grow. Amen? And it said, if any man be in Christ, I, I highlighted that. And then I wrote my name, Keith, K-E-I-T-H. I wrote that over that scripture right there. And I, and I looked at it, you know. And I'm just a 21-year-old kid, basically. And I said, I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. If any man be in Christ, that's me, Keith. I am a new creation in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And I just kept that before me. I kept that before me. And I kept looking into that spiritual mirror. And at first, it didn't seem like it did anything. Didn't feel like it did anything. It was just, I was just kind of going through the motions. And most, you'll find that most times, more often than not, when you start out doing something, there's no real emotion attached to it. There's no physical feeling attached to it. But bless God, you are plowing some serious ground and you're making some serious headway. 
when you begin to decree and declare what God says about you, because in Christ is a preposition. It shows your relationship to Christ. You are in Christ Jesus. Amen. A, a woman that's expecting a child. I'm sure you've all seen that. Some of you have been there and done that a few times, right? There are, there's physical evidence that there's a child on the inside. I thought about this one time. One time I saw a lady that was about, looked like she was ready to give birth a week ago. You know what I'm saying? And I looked, I looked at her and I thought, man, there's, a, there's another person inside her. <laughs> Amen. Now you tell some people that makes them mad, doesn't it? Like, there's another person inside them right now. Amen. Man, she's out to here. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, man, she's ready to give birth. Why is it so hard for us to, to, if we can understand there's another human inside that human, why is it hard for us to think that we can be in Christ? That's good. Right? <laughs> Amen? Yeah. Amen. That ought to set you free to jump up on top of your chair and do a little dance or something. Amen? <laughs> Amen. That woman has another person on the inside of her. Why is it hard for us to believe that God lives on the inside of us? I am in Christ. Now, here's another thing about that. That child that's in that mother for that nine-month period has no choice on where to go and what to eat. The mother makes all the choices. If that mother decides to drive over to Arkansas or one other, another state, that child can't rear up on the inside of that mother and say, hey, I don't want to go there. If that mother goes to eat Mexican food that night and has jalapenos, that baby is going to eat jalapenos in a broken down form. Okay? So whatever that mother partakes of, so does the baby partake of that. Because that baby is in the mother. We are in Christ. Whatever Christ has, we have. Whatever He as He is, so are we in this world. If we see Christ, when you think of Christ, do you think Christ is broken? Do you think Christ is sick? Living on barely get along street? No, you picture Jesus as King of kings and Lord of lords, high exalted Lord, hallelujah, living on streets of gold, hallelujah. As He is, so are we in this world. And see, this is where transformation really begins to take place. Now, it takes some work. It takes some diligence. But let me tell you something. It is so worth it. Don't try to change other people. Hear this. Do not try to change other people because you do not have the power to change anybody. But you do have the power to change yourself. You can make it so enticing for other people to, make, to, make, to want to make change because of the lifestyle that you live. It's liberating not to let other people control you and your joy. Don't let your kids control your joy. Don't let your grandkids control your joy. Don't let your husband or lack of husband or wife or whatever, don't let that control your joy. Let Jesus control your joy and things will be a lot better. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So there's these verses. In Christ, by Him, 
through him. All these, there's about 140 scriptures. Now here's what I want to do, is I have these actually, there's too many pages for me to print out for everybody. It'd be hundreds, hundreds, probably thousands of pages. But if you would like a copy of these um, scriptures that I'm talking about, I'm talking every single one of them. Send me an email or text me and give me an email address and I will send you the link for these verses here and you can print them out, okay, or put them on your electronic device, whatever. And I'll, I'll give these to you. Just let me know. Our, inf- our contact information is in our bulletin. So if you want that, let me know and I will send it off to you this week, all right? So this 2 Corinthians 5.17, that's talking about you. Did you ever stop thinking about it? you can actually put your name in there? You can insert your name in there? That's proper identification. I, when I first said this, it didn't seem real. Yes, my brother Keith. Let's just be real now. Most people, their back hurts and they need a new refrigerator, and I want to know how to get that. Let's be real, right? Let me tell you something. When you know who you are in Christ, you can get your back fixed like that. When you know who you are in Christ, you can get a brand new refrigerator. You can get two of them. Amen? Because when you realize who you are in Christ and that you have all of heaven's resources at your disposal, my God, you can get anything you so desire. Because you're a child of the King of the living God. I and you and I are called sons of God, just like Jesus. We're no less a son of God. We're not the son of God, but we are a son of God. The Bible says, Beloved, now we are the sons of God. And it doesn't appear to the world what we shall be like, but we know who we are. We're children of God, sons of God, daughters of God. Hallelujah. Boy, if we see each other that way, do you know how much better we'll treat one another? My God, we're looking at royalty. Look around you for a second here. Just go look around. You're looking at royalty. The Bible says we're kings and we're priests under our God. Hallelujah. It's so much easier to treat people with dignity and royalty when you know that's who they really are. Amen. Amen. You know, a real real king of a country, when they know who they are, and they they don't have to put on any fanfare, they don't have to show off or anything like that. They just walk around. They know who they are. They're secure in who they are. And I tell you what, we're a king and a priest. Sometimes God will remind me of that. Because, you know, sometimes you, you get caught up in the circumstances of life and you get down a little bit, you know, and you get your eyes off Jesus. How many of you all done that before? Maybe last week, you know what I'm saying? You get your eyes on people and, you know, someone, you know, didn't meet your expectations. They let you down or something like that, you know. And, but it's so easy to get your eyes on people. But if we keep our eyes on Jesus and who we are, He will always tell us and keep us in a safe place. Amen. One time I was going through something, you know, I was kind of, kind of wallowing around in that, you know, and, and uh, it was like the Lord, I just heard him, and I don't know audibly, but with these ears, but inside me, he says, all right, king, all right, priest, rise up from that. Because <laughs> that's who I am. The Bible says God has made us a king and a priest unto our God in Revelations chapter 1. That's who you are. I'm a king walking around. Glory to God, so are you. Now, someone that doesn't understand that, they'll say, who do they think they are? I'll tell you who we think we are. We are who the Bible says we are. And you can become one too. And I'll tell you what, when you got saved, you didn't just get your sins forgiven. You became a king and a priest. Glory to God. Now, I remember back in the early 60s, mid-60s, something like that, 
there was this commercial that came out. In fact, I found it on YouTube. I just thought of it right now. And it was this, this uh, fake butter, you know, I'm sure it wasn't healthy for you, that came out. It was called Imperial Butter. Remember that commercial? And they would eat this butter, you know, and all of a sudden they, they would have a crown appear on their heads. How many of you remember that commercial? That kind of dates some of us, doesn't it? It's like, boom, there it is, a crown. Like, whoa, Imperial Butter. Look it up. It's on YouTube. Type in Imperial Butter commercial. You'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. It looks really dated, you know, but that was part of the, that was, our, that was when we were growing up in the 60s and 70s. How many of you remember that? And I, that always kind of stuck with me because I thought, I don't have to eat Imperial to be, a Butter to see myself as crowned as a king. I look into the verse of Scripture. I look into the Bible. That's who I am. I'm a king and a priest. Now listen. The devil can't not run roughshod over you if you know who you are in Christ. Oh, he might try to bring symptoms of this and that against you. He might try to bring natural symptoms against your body. But when you know you're a king and a priest and you have rights and privileges because of who you are in Christ, your spirit, man, you see, victory does not start out there. It starts in here. Victory starts in your spirit. When you see who you are in Christ, your inner man rises up and says, no, I'm not going to have that anymore. I'm not going to put up with that anymore. That's from the devil. I'm not going to accept that in my life. Hmm. No use to going around the circle again. Keep failing the same test over and over again. No use going around the track over and over again. Like a dog chasing his tail. We can pass the test when we know who we are in Christ Jesus and when the devil, make no mistake about it, it's the devil that brings temptation, test, and trial our way. When it comes our way, when we know who we are in Christ and we say what we are in Christ Jesus, I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. Something takes hold of your human spirit called the Holy Ghost. See, you're a spirit, but it's, you're not just a vacant spirit. When you're a, when you're a Christian, what does that mean? Well, my sins are forgiven. That's true. But someone else moved on the inside of you. Someone else took up residence on the inside of you. There's a healer that lives on the inside of you. Healing becomes easy when you know there's a healer living inside you. Amen. I mean, stop and think about it. God already put a certain amount of healing power in our bodies that even when you cut yourself... Your body goes to start healing itself. You know, I, I, the other day I cut myself on something right here on this finger, you know. And, and immediately it started to heal itself. It wasn't supernatural. It's just the way God created your body. Mm-hmm. All right? And uh, there's a healer. There's a provider. There's a redeemer that moved on the inside of you when you became a child of God. I believe by faith you're all getting a hold of this today. It's not falling on deaf ears. It's going from here to here, and it's getting inside your heart, and you realize, my God. um, (laughs) You know, it was said in the Old Testament, there's giants in the land. Remember that? They were talking about the giants? Well, I say there's giants in here, inside of us. There's a giant. Jesus lives on the inside. Big Jesus, small devil, lives on the inside of us. You see, before I was born again, before you were born again, we had Satan was our spiritual father. Did you know that? You mean I was a a devil worshiper? No, not necessarily. You just didn't know it. You see, 
Bible says, we used, all of us walked according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that works in the children of disobedience. We had our lifestyle like that. We were deceived. We didn't even know it. Our heart was pumping in our chest, but we were spiritually dead. I remember what that felt like. We didn't even know it. It's called spiritual deception. But let me, let me tell you something. When you got born again, not only did you get your sins forgiven, but all of heaven moved on the inside of you. You've got God, the Holy Ghost, the same Spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, and He will quicken your mortal body. Amen. Say, I believe that. I, I settle that. Hallelujah. That's why we need boldness. We just need a little more boldness. Just to rise up and decree that and declare that. God doesn't want us being mamsy-pamsy, whimper, wimpy, Casper milk toast, whatever that means. I've heard that phrase before. We need boldness. Boldness to declare. Remember in the 70s, a show came out called The Brady Bunch. Remember that? Remember that? Well, there's a bold bunch here, Amen. Bold people taking hold of the Word of God. Boldness. Hallelujah. Just a little more boldness on the part of some. Brother Hagin prophesied this. Just a little more boldness on the part of some would mean the, the difference of victory or defeat by the devil. Amen. Just a little more boldness. That's why Paul prayed in Ephesians. Pray for me that utterance would be given unto me, that I might open my mouth boldly and make known the mystery of the gospel. Amen. It's okay. It's scriptural to pray for boldness. Yeah. All of us need boldness. Good. Now, I'm not talking about arrogance. I'm talking about between you and God. And you, when you face the, adver- the adversary, and you stand up and say, no, you don't, devil. Yeah. Yeah. See, some people, are, they're like almost afraid to intimidate the devil. They don't want to speak to the devil. Well, I, I, I got news for you. He's talking to you all the time. And when he's talking to you, he's trying to defeat you, try to discourage you, try to pull you down. He doesn't take a day off. Did you ever notice that? He works overtime. Some of you on the way to church today, the devil's trying to discourage you, put you down, make you feel like a lower than a snake's belly, as they say. All right? Discouraging thoughts, fearful thoughts. You're not going to make it thoughts. You don't have enough money thoughts. You're not going to get this. It's not going to come in your life. You just say, shut up, devil. I know who I am in Christ. Amen. See, I'm not trying to get healed. I'm the healed that the devil's trying to make sick. I've been healed 2,000 years ago. Oh, Brother Keith, why did you preach it like that? Because that's what the Bible says. Amen. Now listen. If you preached the gospel to someone and they rejected Jesus and they walked away from you, would you come to the conclusion that salvation doesn't belong to people anymore? I'm asking a simple question. If you preach salvation, you said, somebody came and you said, oh, I'm confused, I need love, I, I'm just really confused, I need help. And they're, they're open and you preach Jesus to them, say, well, if you give your heart to Jesus, he can solve that problem right there. They said, well, I'm not ready for that. I'll wait till I'm a little bit older, you know, some people say, you know. And, uh, and they reject that. The very next day, someone comes up to you, and they have the same basic scenario, and they say, you know, uh, 
I'm look. I, I see there's something about you that I, I want what you have. You know, I don't know what it is, but I want what you have. And they, and they're open to receive gospel, the gospel. And then they receive the Lord. Would you stop and say, well, the person yesterday didn't receive it, so I suppose it's not God's will to save that person. Now you know as well as I do, if a person rejects Jesus, that doesn't change the plan of salvation, right? Are you with me now? Now, it's no different with healing. Just because someone doesn't get healed doesn't mean that healing's not for everybody. Are you with me now? It has to be believed and it has to be received. You don't know what's in a person's heart. You don't know, you don't always know. They might, they might sound, people might sound like they're, uh, that they believe or whatever, but you don't know a person's heart. We have to base our belief system on the Word of God. Our belief system has to be rooted in God's Word. Are you all with me now? Did I lose anybody? Okay, let's real quickly go to, uh, we're almost out of time here. Second Corinthians, you're already there anyway. Second Corinthians 5.21. 2 Corinthians 5.21. For He hath made Him to be sin for us, Jesus, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God Notice the word, in Him. You see that? Now in Corinthians 5.17, it's in Christ. And here the phrase is, in Him. Excuse me. So, this is talking about you. Say, that's me. That's okay. Now this, this one here, I'll tell you, I really like this one because it makes you realize that like Romans 5.17, I'll just refer to it, says, For if by the offense of one man many were made sinners, that's talking about Adam, much more they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Christ Jesus. So righteousness is a gift. You don't work for it. You don't earn it. It's a gift. What is righteousness? Right standing with God. As if you never sinned. That's the kind of righteousness that you and I have in Christ Jesus. Every one of you that are in Christ Jesus have this righteousness. It's not a, a, a generic brand that's, that, you know what I mean? Like years ago, we used to make cassette tapes. Now they're null and void. But the, you know, the master copy would always be better than the slaves when you would copy it. Now it's different because digital, it's, it's exactly the same. Thank God. <laughs> Amen. Back in those days, we used to have cassette tapes, and you know the master tape would be the clearest. But then you would have all these slaves that you would make copies of the, you know, run them off on that machine. I remember that, and they were never as good as the the original. That's not the way it is in Christ Jesus. We are exactly the same in Christ Jesus. We are just as righteous as the Lord Jesus Christ. If we had a different righteousness, we would never go to heaven. You don't become righteous when you go to heaven. You have to become righteous. On earth, or and then you're ready for heaven. Are you with me? Does that make sense? So righteousness is the ability to stand in the presence of God without the sense of guilt or inferiority as though sin never existed. It says that Jesus became sin. He didn't sin, but He became sin. He took the punishment for our sin. And then we took His righteousness, the great exchange. He took our sin. We took His righteousness. Now, the scripture tells us the eyes, of the, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. 
So when you pray as a righteous child of God, you can have the confidence and the assurity that when I pray, heaven hears what I'm saying. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I say this all the time because it stirs me up. Jesus sat down to preach, so I can do it too, right? Amen. Jesus gave us his righteousness. We don't work for it. You don't graduate to it. There's not enough good deeds that you can do. But he makes you the righteousness of God. And when I pray, this is the first thing that I do. Almost all the time when I pray on a daily basis, I come before the Lord. And I'll say, Father, I'm coming before you, not based on my righteousness, but your righteousness. Thank you that you hear me when I pray. And when I pray for people, when I pray for the church people here, I say, Father, I thank you that you hear me when I pray because your word says your eyes are upon the righteous, your ears are open into my prayers. And so I confidently just go before the Lord and I, I lift up people, not only yourselves, but other people before the Lord. And I have the confidence that when I pray, the Lord hears me. Years ago, I remember when we were assistant pastors in a church, um, there was a, an old couple, an old Pentecostal couple. This was in Texas. And it was almost humorous, but they, uh, um, they were having some, uh, some marriage problems. And they were probably in their 70s, something like that, you know. And, and uh, uh, what were their names again? It was uh, Luce and they, uh, it'll, they were old-fashioned names. Yeah, old-fashioned names. And they, uh, I, it'll come back to us. But anyway, the, this couple came in, you know, and. And we're talking to them, and they were raised in old-fashioned, old-time Pentecostal, and they thought, you know, that the only way God could hear you is if you shouted. <laughs> and when I say shout, I'm talking like, you know, like a megaphone, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and they kept talking about the shout and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, <laughs> and I, I had to stop them because I'm like, I'm, I'm on a different level. I'm yeah. just thinking, where are these, where are they coming from here, you know? And... And I said, can you explain something to me? What do you mean by shout? Like, what are you talking about, you know? And uh, so they went on to explain to me that they felt like God didn't hear them because they were raised that way. Now, there's nothing wrong with shouting. The Bible says shout unto the Lord as a voice of triumph. <laughs> but you don't have to live like that. You know what I'm saying? What if you shouted at your spouse all day long? Hey! I said, calm down here, you know? Well, we got to the bottom line of that whole thing. I'm just kind of wrapping this up here. Is that they kind of felt like they were they were off spiritually because they thought unless they did things a certain way, that if they didn't shout, that God wasn't going to hear them. And so they're having strife in their relationship and all this kind of stuff, you know. And and I and so I was kind of teasing them. I said, I tell you what, let's take it one step further here. Because if you think getting loud, here's a microphone. You can get even louder. Okay? It's not just the volume of your voice that, that gets God's attention. You can, when you know who you are in Christ, you can whisper. There's times I've prayed under my breath in a whisper, and God hears me just as much as if I'm praying out loud, just like this. Some of my best prayer sessions have been while I'm laying on my back in bed, not even opening my mouth, but my spirit talking to God. Do you know you can do that? Your spirit to spirit just talking to God. I do it all the time, all the time. 
I'll be walking around. I'll, I'll start praying for something, but I'm not, my lips aren't moving, but my spirit has a voice. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And you can communicate to God like that. But when you know that you are righteous in Christ, you're not trying to like reach out and say, oh, God, I hope you hear my prayers. I hope you hear me. Righteousness means you have entryway right into the very throne room of God. And when you pray, God's hearing you. And you have the confidence that when you pray, what you're praying will come to pass. That's a marvelous thing. It puts you at ease. It puts you in a state of rest. And it's the best place you can be in because when you're in a state of, of peace and rest and quiet confidence, you can fight wars with just your mouth. Just praying, say, Father, see that person right there, they need help right now. I don't even know them, but they need your divine intervention. I've prayed that so many times. You just meet someone and they're in a tough spot or whatever, you know, and they just need someone to pray for them, you know. You ever notice there's no shortage of people like that? Almost every week we come out here and we set up and do, do stuff here in the hotel. And I'll tell you, the people that work here, they're precious people, man. They are just, we just love them, you know, from the management all the way on down, you know. And, you know, you just fall in love with people. And, you know, they need Jesus. But you know what they want to see, first of all? They want to see you get a love on them. You know what I mean? Because they probably heard stories about churches and people, you know, and they, they've got some people tagged and labeled, you know, like, oh, they're one of those. You know what I mean? Well, we're not just one of those. Amen? We're that bunch down the hallway at the end of the hallway in this room that love God and love people. Yeah. Hallelujah? Hallelujah? Boy, that's what it's all about is about loving on people, caring for them, loving them. Are you with me now? Can you handle one more scripture and we'll close here? Ephesians 1. Boy, our time just flies by here. Ephesians chapter 1. Let's just look at uh, verse 6. Ephesians 1, 6. To the praise and glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. See the word in the Beloved? That's like the word in Christ, in whom, in Him, in the Beloved. Now notice it says that we are accepted in the Beloved. In whom, verse 7, that's another one, preposition. In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Do you see those, those phrases right there, in, in whom? Do you see that? In the Beloved. First of all, He's made us accepted in the Beloved. I and you are totally accepted in the Beloved, in Christ Jesus. God's not rejecting us. He accepts us. Amen? Maybe that's why God sometimes He put little dogs in the earth, you know, for people to have pets. Because that, you ever notice that dog loves you unconditionally? You ever notice that? You don't have to be dressed a certain way. You might have gone out and worked out. And need a big shower. And you come home, that dog just licks you, kisses you, loves on you, and accepts you for who you are. Did that dog ever walk in and reject you and say, you don't look like you should. You don't smell like you need to smell. No, that dog just accepts you for who you are. Let me tell you something. Who do you think put that in that little dog? God put that in there. Our Father is so much more. So much more. And you and I are accepted in the Beloved.
And we have redemption. Verse 7. Through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Hallelujah. I had a few other scriptures, but we're out of time. But here's, here's one I'll leave you with. Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ. There's one of those scriptures. That's who you are. I can do all things through Christ. 4.19 says, My God shall supply all of your needs according to His riches in Christ Jesus. You are in Christ. Christ is in you. Whatever He has, you have. Start identifying yourself with who you are in Christ. Yeah, it's going to take a little effort. Yeah, it's going to take a little bit of work. But so does worry and fear. See, you're just never walking around with nothing going on. You're, there's, all, there's something going on. There's some, some kind of warfare going on, you know. It's never a, 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 what they call a demilitarization zone, you know, where there's nothing going on. I mean, God's moving. The devil's moving. Let's get on God's side. Hallelujah. Uh, uh, it, you know, what's the alternative? Worry and fear. You're going to use that precious energy anyway. Right? When you worry and you're afraid, you're using energy. Oh, my God, just keeping you up at night. You're losing sleep over it. Use the same energy and start to meditate on these scriptures. Get those scriptures and put them in your heart. Put them in your mouth. Say them out loud. And you just watch the transformation that's going to take place on the inside of you. You watch it. Anytime, folks, anytime I've ever received physical healing from God, I had to see it in here first. I had to see it in here first. I can just rattle it off, you know, like a parrot. You know, I could say, I could say it like this. I could say, see this chair right here? I believe I'm a chair in Jesus' name. Could I say that? Just hold on. I don't believe that in my heart. I can say it out of here, but I don't believe that in my heart. I can say, I believe I'm a chair in Jesus' name. Someone says, that's loony. Yeah, you're right. Okay? Because I have no scriptural right for that. I believe I'm a chair in Jesus' name. I believe I'm a chair in Jesus' name. I'm saying that out of my head, but I don't believe that in my heart. What you believe in your heart and you say with your mouth is what comes to pass. That's the key. You can say things out of your head, out of your intellect. And normally it starts there. But it's the confession of faith that comes out of your spirit that has the power of God behind it. Are you with me now? Hallelujah. It's what we say with our heart, say with our mouth and believe in our heart. That's what the scripture says. You say with your mouth and you believe in your heart. God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved.